Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm super. She is super, and I am natural today. And oh. I will be the Dr. Junkie. You are definitely well, you're, a junkie. You're going to have to be a junkie ninja. Donkey Ninja. Dr. Junkie Ninja. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And we are the Supernatural, Supernatural Junkies. junkies. Welcome to Supernatural Junkies. This is Alex, and we are here. And when I say we, we have Dr. Kevin in the house. Say hi, Dr. Kevin. Hi, Dr. Kevin. And we also have a doozy of an episode with you. We have a special guest here today. He's been on before. I think, what is this, like the sixth time you've been on? I don't know. It's been a lot. But it I is think Do- at least four or five times. Introduce him. Yeah, so this is Dr. Thomas Dozer. <laughs> He's stepping all over me. Do you hear that? We've okay. got our wires crossed, you know. Yeah, you should have been here at our house It's because we're so excited earlier. that Dr. Dozer is here again with us today. If you've not listened to our previous episodes that have him on there, one of, I think one of the first ones was called A Gentleman, A Scholar, and A Pastor. It's amazing. Uh, there, And the one after that, there's a part two as well. Um, he's also been on another episode, if I'm not mistaken. So please go back and listen to those. He is bona fide, as we've always say about him. He is a pastor. He is former military. He is, oh my gosh, what else is it? Got his so, PhD. Yeah, he's yep. a doctor. We he's call a doctor. Yeah. We actually call him Doc Dr. sometimes. God. <laughs> <laughs> call him Dr. God. That's I right. like that title. That's pretty good. <laughs> He's a theologian. He is a part of Word and Truth and Grace Ministries. Ministries. Hi. And he also has a school that they run there at the uh, Right. I was just going to say yeah. that, but I could barely pronounce that. Let's have him pronounce that correctly. Dr. Dozer, say hello and tell us about you. Hello. I am Dr. Dozer, pastor of Word of Grace and Truth Ministries and president of Grace and Truth Christian University. And it's good to be on the air again. Well, the last two episodes I remember doing with him, you know, had more to do with, you know, what to do when the biblical becomes political. And uh, so that was a, a, you know, these are the issues that we're all struggling with, how, how, you know, we're Christians here and we see these political, virtually political war going on. And we're really wondering how to be peacemakers, but how do we still chime in here, you know, and do what God is really wanting us to do. And so another area that this is happening in is really what what we're teaching our kids in our school and most all of us are aware now of critical race theory Uh, we're literally seeing entire denominations splitting over this and of course now we have a fight around the country to keep this from being taught you know uh, to virtually all the kids as we as we go forward so well, we didn't pray before we started. We didn't. We should so pray. We should pray. Dr. Dozer, would you mind opening us up with a prayer, please? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to once again be on the air. We thank you, Lord God, for your favor in using us at this time and this season. And we just pray that those who are listening in at this time and those who are listening later will be edified and you in turn glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Always. 
So that is really, you know, for me, the question we've been seeing this happen around the world and around the country that churches and entire societies are almost being divided over this issue. And so, you know, this means Christians are having trouble dealing with critical race theory. Right. right? Well, let's just act like our listener, perhaps there's someone just one that's had their head underneath a blanket this whole time, and they don't know what's going on. Dr. Doe, how would you explain critical race theory? Uh, the first thing that I would do when it comes to explaining critical race theory is to go to its roots. I would want to go to its history. Don't you mean roots? Uh, roots, roots. That's it. Kevin's the route from the in South, which we received so it. It's roots. He's no, talking about he wa- roots, he wants, y'all. He wants roots, huh? Right? He you, wants you, roots. You talk about the roots. He wants roots. He's talking about roots, and I was talking about roots, because you got to get to the roots of the roots. Okay. Right. Well, I am going to say this later, but since I was asked the question, I do want to say this, that it is, critical race theory is a hybrid of critical theory, and it is rooted and it is rooted in Marxism. That's right. Uh, so when we look at the roots of critical race theory, we have to go to critical theory. Mm-hmm. And we speak of critical theory, we're speaking of a Marxist approach to social philosophy, and it places its focus upon reflective assessment and critique of both society and culture. And it does this in order to uh, reveal and pose a challenge to the structured powers. Going a little further, when we look at the roots of critical theory, we have to go to the Frankfurt School the Frankfurt School of uh, Philosophy. And this was open in Frankfurt, Germany in the early part of the 20th century to be uh, exact, I believe it was 1923. And this was a neo-Marxist institute. Uh, this was funded by a man by the name of Felix, well, if we pronounced it uh, in Deutsch, we'd probably say Felix Well. Uh, and he happened to be a German Argentine. So he provided funds uh, for this. He was a Marxist and he provided funds for this Marxist school. I'll just take about one more minute because we're going to the roots. Uh, Originally, this school was comprised of intellectuals, academics, and those people who were politically opposed or you could say frustrated or you could say dissatisfied with the social economic system of their day so you know <laughs> when i think of critical race theory i think of or should critical theory i think of uh, this is just about criticizing people right you're being critical but why do you think that got that name of, of critical theory is it is it because you're trying to be critical of a, of another group of people, or what do you think is the uh, the gist there? Well, to make to be exact, that's exactly what it was, and they emphasize, they examine, and they criticize uh, contemporary capitalist society. That was its purpose. To uh, you would assess capitalist society, they would look at different things that were taking place, and. I would just use the word, and hopefully I'm not using it wrong. It was almost like a think tank, per se, right? where they would examine it, and then you would criticize all of the uh, flaws that you, see, you saw 
in uh, capitalism. So, so it would be a challenge to the structured powers, we can say that. Mm -hmm. Carl, what do you think, go wait, ahead. Let me just point out, Karl Marx himself, um, when he was in university, if you look into his background, he was actually considered an extremist. Um, and that's when he went and started his own school, got support for it. He, and look back into his history, um, because he was actually um, a student of someone else, and he got even more extreme beliefs than his original teacher to where when he left college or got kicked out because he was so insane you know he was so extreme and that's how we also started marxism right so right? you're talking about hegel is that who you're talking about um i don't remember okay. i've been watching documentaries galore. so we we did get to hear um lucas miles he wrote a book called um the um the was it the christian left right mm-hmm and so he does get into some of these ideas. This is another book you want to consider because it'll give you a little bit of history here. But he talks about how Hegel was an influencer of his day. And so he was one of the influencers of Karl Marx. Right. Right. And I mentioned this because we have to look at the person who started this movement that we're, we're now adopting, right, um, all over the world. And especially in the United States, it's, you know, it, it's a huge issue. It, we can hardly say it is so relevant right now with what's right. happening. Um, so you kind of need to look at this person that started because if that's the person you're banking on, you know, like oh yeah, let's let's put that up as a great idea because in America we all think oh communism, yay. Well, and Not. communism has killed more people than any anything on the planet, and more than all the world yeah. wars put together. So this is the greatest evil. So this is why when we give it this backdrop. You know, yes, uh, but I don't believe that Hegel was an atheist. Um, but you know, certainly that's what came out with uh, with Karl Marx. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's really a depravity type system. But when you think about being critical, <clears throat> what what exactly were you thinking? Their what was their basic gist of what about capitalism were they being critical of? Okay, if you will allow me to, what I'm going to do is get right into that area. Okay. Uh, and and th this is important because I believe we have to uh, ask the question, and you, you can tell me whether you think this makes sense. We have to ask the question, well, how did it get here? Right. That's another good question. Okay. Yeah. So now it starts, okay, we're looking at this, it starts in Germany because when you think of Karl Marx, you think of Frederick Engels, okay, which these two guys pretty much work together, Karl Marx, Frederick Engels. When you think of these guys, you think of Germany. Right. Okay. And so this, all of this starts in Germany. I'm going back to Frankfurt School of Philosophy because this is going to take us right into it and then what you all just discussed is just great because we do have to go back to Karl Marx. Right. Because he, his name, Marx, Marxism, right. he's yep. the founder of Marxism. Right. But you had the, the, the Frankfurt School Philosophy, which was a school to bring to, to teach about Marxism and and uh, communism and mm -hmm. to criticize capitalism. Uh, after the Nazi power, uh, Nazi power and Adolf Hitler came into power in 1933, it moves right, and so it goes to Geneva, Switzerland, mm -hmm. and then in 1935, it makes its way into the United States by way of Columbia University, mm. New York City. So now it gets here. And so from this particular point, 
you go to this father and you brought up uh, Hegel, I believe it was, yes. who yeah. was who preceded Marx and Engels. Uh, but when you go to Karl Marx, the father of Marxism, Marx believed that religion was an illusionary happiness and this served as the demand for the real happiness of the people of religious beliefs. In other words, mm. you needed this illusion that there was a God right. in order to make it and feel good about mm. yourself. Very good point. And so to call people to give up their illusion about their conditions is to cause them to give up a condition uh, that requires illusions. Mm. So you want to get them to give up a condition that requires illusions. Okay, and that condition that requires illusions from Karl Marx's uh, mindset was belief in God. Right. So that goes back to what we were saying that, you know, he was really an atheist and he's really trying to control, you know, religion, which is the opiate of the people idea. Right. So what are some of the other terms that they use to kind of describe, and we have this critical theory, what are some other terms that people may have heard of uh, to describe this movement? Well, for those who, 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 who would study Karl Marx, you know, he used um, terms such as positive humanism, socialism, communism, a realm free of individuality. Wow, socialism, that's a word we hear thrown around. Isn't that a word? All the time now. And free association of Mm. uh, How many people know that that's where its roots lies? Like how many people understand that socialism was based on critical theory? Right. It's in there. That's how it gets defined. Well, and, and, and they're really, communism and socialism really are not really any difference. You know, in both cases, you know, the government is God. Right. right, and uh, and this is the same thing. Why we we've been this shaming thing that you know your body is not our is not your I'm, body. It's not the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's for the greater good. Well, does right? anybody remember in school, especially when we were in school, because it's been a long time, <laughs> um, that it, when we would talk about China, right, the Communist Party of China, we would call it a totalitarian government do you remember that yes. that's how they would define it when we were in school i know they don't say that now you know, that's not acceptable speaking of definitions it's beautiful that you would say that because when you yeah. look at those names that i gave you mm-hmm. all of those are used interchangeably yes. one can be used for the other mm-hmm. and so just like we see them doing things today they'll change a certain word use this word and use yes. that word and use that word or progressive but Ooh. They, yeah social justice social yeah. justice right oh, socialism but yes. we just added justice onto it there That's you go right. liberation movement right they're right, right they're all based on in critical race theory and critical theory but how does critical theory i don't tell me if i'm jumping ahead become critical race theory okay okay that's that's an awesome question um yay Yay. we have to go back to something i I brought a few things with me today now in february of 1848 that would be what about 174 years ago uh with the assistance of frederick (sighs) engels Karl marx and i brought it for mm-hmm. those who say, does he know what he's... He brought the Communist Manifesto. He wrote, should I say, the Communist mm. Manifesto, which claims that. that the history of society Look at that. is a history of class struggles. The he history. claimed that the history of society is a history of class 
struggles. Mm. We are gradually moving right into critical race theory, a history right. of class struggles. Mm. And when you begin to, when you look at it, uh, Ingalls has a portion in there. And Ingalls, I just want to paraphrase him. He, I have to. Uh, Ingalls made a statement, just to paraphrase him, that by the time he met or got with Karl Marx, Marx already had the idea together. He mm -hmm. already had this thing together. And what they did is they looked, they went all the way back to the Roman Empire and its slaves and all the things from the beginning of time, serfdom and all of these different areas. <clears throat> um, and then they began to separate the people in classes. You have the proletariat, which would be the working class of the poor people and the bourgeoisie. Usually when we hear the word bourgeoisie, we think way up there and all that. Well, but bourgeoisie, bourgeoisie, bougie, as you say, yeah. would, be, would be like the middle or the upper class. Mm -hmm. Okay? Bougetto. And so this would see, yeah. So this would seem like, for example, uh, Dr. Cruz, uh, the bourgeoisie. Uh oh. With like, feel it mm -hmm. you had the physicians and the <laughs> uh, clerics. Does that the, apply to also doctors of theology and the lawyers <laughs> <laughs> and the lawyers and all? They were actually working for a wage, right, from the bourgeoisie. Mm. Yep. And so they begin this. They saw this as a problem, right? And so the whole thing is based on revolution. And the reason it's called the Communist Manifesto is because this is a declaration of the plan on how to bring in what it is that they want. So mm -hmm. now what happened is we see that uh, which in this pamphlet, what it's doing is it's encouraging working people of all nations to unite in a communist revolution. Hmm. Now, all a person has to do is listen if they're saying, well, when is he going to get to critical race theory? Whenever I say these things, you think critical race theory. You think, as we mentioned earlier, it's a hybrid. Mm -hmm. And then think of all of these things that they do. This comes from Marxist. It came from the Marxist ideology. It's just that now it, it goes from a, as you might say, mm, it goes I, from an Anglo view. Right. Yes. To a, yeah. to a worldwide view. Right. Yeah, I the, I can see that. That was I love the way you pointed it out because it became it really crystallized that in my mind. I saw it because um, instead of it being directed at a group of um, working like a certain class of people, right. now we've taken it and redirected it at race based on the right. color of your skin only. Right. So right? We, it's we, the same thing. Instead of saying, oh. You're the bougie people because now we're saying that if you're white, you're bougie. Right. It's the same thing. It's just been redirected. Did you see that? That yep. was beautiful. So, Thank you. So from my understanding, I go, okay, so everybody knows that they literally created a war and a revolution in, in Russia between the haves and the have-nots. That's literally what happened. Right. And now you're saying they're trying to create a war. Okay. So instead of a struggle of classes... Okay, it's a struggle between races. But it, they're still defining it as class, though. I think that if you really broke it down... But critical they, race theory, though, might be saying exactly that. Right. Life but is you, now all about a history of, str of struggle between races. But you have... Right. You have to make that, that, that particular group that you're aiming at, you have to make them feel less than in order for this to be successful. Right. Right. So we have to... So in order for this at all to exceed... Sorry, succeed. You have to make 
the right now because it's all about race, right? You have to make that race feel like they've been less than, they've been um, treated less than, they've gotten less than, they have less than. And you right. also have to alleviate the guilt, right, to the other society that you're also trying to, when you get into these struggles, you want to create some guilt on that Oh, other. not alleviate. You have to engender them with guilt. Right. You have to pour okay. that But on. then right. give Wait. them an out for their guilt. Okay. All right, back to you, Doc. Back right. to you, Doctor. Back to the doctor. That's all beautiful. It is. I prefer Bougetto, by the I, way. Just <laughs> <laughs> call me Bougetto. Now, to continue with that particular portion, uh, eclectic is. I'm using this. I'm throwing this word out. Eclectic. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm, I'm sure you all know what it means. It's Quirky. a blending of things. Right. Okay. Now, they can't see me out there. Those who are listening on the podcast, but you all can see me. What am I doing right now? Hand up, left yeah. hand up, just power hand, to the just people. Ha- just hand up? Yeah. Fist up. Uh, no, he's pumping it in the air like, come on. Fist up, right? Really? Fist up. Yep. What does that mean? Power to the people. What people? Whoever people are fighting. <laughs> I guess that was close. <laughs> but who does this fist, Oh well, that, which people does this fist that represent? That represents. The, the people, the, the oppressed people. Right. The, what's it called? I can't think right now. Oppressed people? No, no, but it, it's it's representing black people here in America. Right. That's the group. Black Lives Matter. That's, right. that's the picture on their poster. That's right? right. Here we go. Black Lives Matter. Yeah, that's it's right. that's now, the picture. I want to talk to you about Karl Marx and solidarity and, right. and inequality. There we go. Now he wrote a thesis, and one of his theses he argued that religion had as its primary social aim the promotion of solidarity. I like to think of it as Karl Marx's feces. Mm-hmm. Okay, Karl Marx's feces. <laughs> that would be an awareness of shared interests, objective standards, and sympathies. And what they wanted to do was create, this is what he writes now, to create a psychological sense of unity of groups or classes. Psychological. Mm-hmm. The solidarity of workers' movement was symbolized by the raised fist. Hmm. The raised fist has become an image of mixed meaning. Hmm. Now, this is this hmm. does not belong. I'm a black man, okay. By the way, for those of you who can't who didn't know, you may not be able to see me clearly. So I'm, I want to make sure you can see me clearly. I'm a black man, okay. <laughs> but I want to say something. Black people did not invent or create the raised fist. That's right. Okay, this was political solidarity. Communism, a salute to express unity, strength, or resistance. And there's been at least 12 movements within the last 100 years Mm. that has used the symbol of the raised fist. Um, I'm not going to list them off today, but I took the time to research and write a number of them. Do you have a few? And it's been used for some time Mm. by different groups. Uh, when we do this again, I'll bring some of oh, them okay. out and talk about them. So doesn't it, that send chills down your spine? Right? Well, this it, is another. It's been co opted. This right? is another yeah. piece of garbage that is being recycled yet again. Mm-hmm. And really, if it were, you know, if this were truly about what it, you know, is happening today, wouldn't it be an image that wasn't recycled? Right. Wouldn't it be an image that was created actually 
by the people it's representing. Wasn't it an image that was used to create the greatest evil in the world? <laughs> right. Right? Right. Because there is something. I mean, read your Bible. There's something to symbols. There yep. is something, you know, it's all throughout. We have to keep remembering yes. that. That it has a meaning. And the reason it keeps getting recycled, the snake thing that we keep talking about. What does that mean? What did it mean in the Bible? Not that it always meant bad. But, you know, those, those things have power. And that's why they keep getting recycled. Yep. All right, Doc, get us back on track yes, here. Yes, please, sorry. Satanic I, I power. I think it's beautiful. I'm sitting here, <laughs> here, here listening. This is just, uh, you know, I, I want to go back to this. I want to go back to this fist thing. And I want to go back to something that, that I believe Alex said, not in exact words, but something that she said as I was thinking. And is mainly how you can go through time. And what you do is you'll get whatever group of people you can to fit your objective. Mm -hmm. That's right. Uh, Dr. Cruz earlier mentioned communism. Communism is responsible was responsible for more people being killed in the 20th century than any war. And over 100 million people killed mm. under communism. Mm. And, and, and some women say they keep getting off top. No, all of this is in a lot. Right. Critical race theory is it's, a Marxist ideology. You can't ideology. separate them. So let me break these down. I want to break down capitalism break versus down. communism because break I really down. believe in capitalism. Okay, I believe in capitalism. Me too. When it comes to uh, an economic system. And capitalism is an economic system where the economy's trade and industry is controlled and owned by private individuals in order to produce a profit. Mm -hmm. Produce a profit. Communism, on the other hand, is where the country's trade and industry is community controlled. And each person's share is based on their ability or their need. Now, Marxism and communism, for people who try to uh, make a separation, I wanna say this, there is no separation, but you need to understand what each one is. What each one is. Marxism is the political ideology based upon Karl Marx ideas, Karl mm. Marx, Marx, Marxism, mm -hmm. the political ideology based upon his ideas, mm -hmm. whereas communism is a political system based on Marxist ideology. Uh, so okay. the two are tied in, the right. working together and interconnecting of the Marxist ideology. In order for the Marxist ideology or ideology, whichever you want to call it, in order for it to work, you have to have a communist political system. And so if you're going to have a communist political system in a capitalist economic system, you're going to have to overthrow the present system. There's no other way to look at it. That takes you straight wow. to critical race theory, which is a hybrid of critical theory. Both are rooted in Marxism. Which is to divide us right. and conquer. But you isn't can't that have the one oldest, without the other. Isn't that yeah. the oldest way to destroy anybody? Divide and conquer? Oh yeah, and boy, I'm getting schooled today. I love it. I love it. Thank mm -hmm. you, Dr. God. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what critical race theory does. First, let me bring out what a hybrid is. You all know what a hybrid is, but it's something composed by way of combining two different elements, right? Mm -hmm. There's a mixture. So you got a mixture, Marxism, communism, and you end up with what they would consider the perfect government. I call it destructive government. Mm -hmm. What critical race theory does is it categorizes and reduces people to a racial nature, simply mm -hmm. put. It categorizes and reduces people to a racial nature. It is a theory of segregation, okay. setting people apart from 
others. Because you're defining everyone by their need or abilities, right? But also all this, okay, so I have a really stupid question. Um, so all this, because capitalism, it's, you know, supply and need personal. You know, you can have small businesses, but when it's communism and who's okay so who's divvying up who's deciding how this gets divvied up i mean let's that's the big question right <laughs> because if everything is like your country is only what it's worth in production and what supply and need is coming from that country it comes in somewhere folks and so who decides who gets what and how much because somebody's controlling all of that then okay here's what they're going to do in critical race theory and if you listen if you're sitting on a, if you're sitting uh, let's say if they're sitting on a platform, it depends on the platform that you're on as to who's really going to be heard. We know that. Right. And I believe that neutral platforms are the best platforms to sit on mm -hmm. if you're going to be heard. If I am going to go, let's just say I'm going to go and debate with a person who is uh, CT or CRT, radio mm -hmm. things. If I'm in their atmosphere, it doesn't matter. Um, whether I'm whether they're the affirmative and I'm the negative, whatever it may be, yeah. or vice versa, we can deal with harms, we can deal with this, we can deal with logical fallacies and all of those things. At the end of the day, it's going to come out that they ripped me to shreds, okay? Because there's already a mindset as to how it's going to be, because this is how the minds are conditioned. So what happens is you're going to see where in critical race theory, where judgment is placed upon individuals by way of their ethnicity rather than their character, their society behavior, and their qualifications for merit. And so this is going to fall in the category of social justice. Now, what I want to do is go back to the communist issue for it. I brought one thing. I said I had one thing I told you all mm, earlier. Mm -hmm. That was the communist manifesto. And I said and I also had a piece of paper. And you can see it's very old. You can see it's original. I can't. Now, what's the date of the stamp that you see on there? He's going to make me put my glasses let me, let me on. Let me see it. I can see it. My, my husband's can't I can't hold. actually. January 19th, 1982. <laughs> okay, 1982. So this is make this uh, 40 and a half years ago. Okay. And now this is a letter that was written to me from the Department of the Army. And it was something that took place December 19th, 1981. I'm not saying this to give any kudos to myself, but I'm about to say something in a minute. And it reads, it gives me great pleasure to identify you as a distinguished boxer. And it brings out who I boxed for at that particular time. And it says, during the Berlin Brigade Boxing Championships from December 16th to 19, December 1981. Where's Berlin? Germany. Germany. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in 1981, Germany, uh, Berlin is still in the same location, but... What part, of Ger what part of Germany was Berlin in, in 1981? The wall hadn't come down yet. Right. Okay, so it would be in East Germany, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. And East Germany was what in 1981? Communists. Communists. Right. Now, I'm saying this for a reason. I brought that out to say he's not talking about what somebody told him. What he's about to tell you is what he saw. Amen. When I came up in school, when I came up in school, in high school, we began to teach, they began to teach you world history or world history, America, something they need to start teaching again. It taught us a lot about communism. Yep. And you know, your country is going to teach something in its favor, how it sees things and all. Uh, and then in the military, 
uh, the at that particular time, because you know, in 1981, you still had NATO and Warsaw, the Warsaw Pact. Okay, and that consist that consisted of Poland, which is no longer part of that because Russia had taken them uh, during World War II. It consisted of East Germany, Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the nations in the Eastern Bloc, a number of nations. And those were the ones, Czechoslovakia, Yugoslavia, all those particular nations that had been taken. Uh, they were considered the mm-hmm. enemy. And you had uh, West Germany, you had France, you had the United Kingdom or England, you had those places. Italy, this would be the NATO forces that were in Europe at that time. Well, in order for me to get to Berlin, because I was in... Um, I was in West Germany. I was about maybe 15 miles from Stuttgart, okay, town called Gerpigen. In order for me to go to Berlin, I had to take the Zug. The Zug is a train. And in taking this train, you would have to go into East Germany because mm. Berlin said uh. half of Berlin was west, uh, was belonged to the west, the other to the east. Mm. You know, and they had the Berlin blockades and all of that. Okay. So... As we're, it's, it's a pretty good train ride. Fell asleep on the train. Train's very comfortable over there, by the way. And then woke up and was at this train station, the Bahnhof, as they call it. Uh, well, let me say what I saw before I went into the train station. Before we got into the train station, it's slowing down. And in high school, I've been taught that when people in, in some of the communist countries and in, in Russia, when they bought cars, they more so order them, and they might, when they get the car maybe old, they might get it seven years later or so. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Hmm. But when I got there, I'm looking, it is nighttime, and I may see about one car per block. I'm not exaggerating this. Hmm. And the streets were very dark. Very, very dark. Few street lights. We pull into the train station. And I saw something that you would have never seen in America, nor did you see it in West Germany. But there were men, I would imagine that were their police or whatever, but they had on blue jumpsuits, German shepherd dogs on their side, mm. and AK-47, that is to say, Kalichnikov rifles. This is at the train station. Now, why is this so? You can say, well, you got some American troops coming in, not just that. These things were government control. It was communist. For their own people? And so, in the, yes, and communist you is ruled by an iron fist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so when you saw something that you did not see. There's that fist again. And there even, I knew because we had soldiers on it, because you even had soldiers there mm-hmm. by the rail. <clears throat> uh, they were young. They were friendly because they were young. We weren't fighting at the time. But when we got into Berlin... Uh, by the way, since I read a portion, I might as well read this portion. Uh, I didn't win the Berlin Championships. I came in second place because I went out the night before a fight in Berlin was just so spectacular. <laughs> I didn't go back with the rest of the fighters. I didn't go back in until 6 o'clock in the morning. I oh. might as well tell on myself. <laughs> but looking across, when you're in West Berlin, it was like, I'm talking about 1980. This place was like awesome. I remember going into this club called Talk of the Town, and I'd never seen anything like this before, but they had telephones at your table. Hmm. I mean, at your table, you call. And it was just awesome. But in the daytime, I got a chance to look across, and at the time, they had the wall. You had Checkpoint Charlie. And across in the east, 
it looked like a very large ghost town. Mm. There right. was nothing. The buildings looked old. They looked drab. It was just terrible. Mm. Uh, when the question was asked earlier, who does this go to? The only people that really benefit from a communist society are the people who run it. That's right. There we go. The Those are the class. only people, the, the same thing that they say they want to abolish, yep. they take it to another level. When you think about people like, uh, when you think about people like Lenin and uh, Stalin and Khrushchev and uh, Fidel Castro, uh, you can go to, uh, I believe it's Cambodia, you, these people mm -hmm. live life at the top they had unbelievable riches like kings like kings they had unbelievable riches and eventually what has to happen is you have to suppress the people because right. you get a people you deceive a people you get a people to follow you and then when you overthrow the people don't get the promises that you made to them so they now don't. what you have to do is you have to bring them down and in truth many many will have to die so yes. I, I just wanted to bring that out just from firsthand seeing what it looked like. And it looked nothing like the West. It looked right. nothing like the West. And nothing like they promised. And this is virtually every country that has gone down that road. My mother's Vietnamese and didn't come here until, well, it was during the Vietnam War was still happening when she came over here. So she's from a communist country. And the pictures she would show me of their home um, growing up and even the stories that they would tell my sister um you know she's my sister but she's older than I'm and my mom was married before and she would tell me stories that during the war what had happened to her and the things the government would say and they would have to abide by they literally told them things like um so if there's at 9 p.m if you are not in your house, we don't care who you are. If you're out, we're shooting you. We're going to assume you're American troops or you're with them or you're going to tell them something. So if you're outside, you're dead. Right. And that's there's no arguing with that. When you have a communist country, they can say things like that to you. They can tell you. They can take away whatever they want from you and you have no recourse. Uh -huh. Ask anybody who whose parents or who themselves has come from a communist country and ask them if they're excited about American um, culture, you know, and the way that we're going towards running towards communism. Right. Ask them if they want to go back to communism. I'm sure they will tell you in very verbose terms, no way in heck that they want to go back to that. And there's a reason, right? Because that's why the government controls everything your entire life. They can take it away in a second if they want to, because they have the ultimate power their people at some point had given them all that power. They have all the money. They have all the power. You've got nothing and you're going to enjoy it. Wow. You'll have nothing and enjoy it. Who does that sound like? Just like what Mr. Klaus said, you'll all own nothing and you'll all love it. Right? Yeah. This is their plan for us. Right. It's their plan. You know, and you can see here, you go back to what would love do? Well, love can't be love if it doesn't allow for those choices. So here they are creating division. Right. Where there is none where there should be none, because in Christ, we are all one. Well, that's because right? they're basing this whole, whole idea has nothing to do with God. Right. 
it's it's definitely devoid of all that. It's straight up what they call social justice. Right. And if you really look at social justice, Hot I mean, ten. you look at a definition for social justice, what you will see is justice in terms of wealth distribution, opportunities and privilege within a society, simply redistribution. And you mentioned that when you said they could just take whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And that's what redistribution is, is transferring income, transferring wealth, transferring property from one person or group to another person or group. And so it's basically what they can do because no one can own anything in such a society they can give it to whomever they desire. And the dangerous thing for the church is that a number of churches are now embracing yes. social justice over biblical justice. And when you look at that, you really have to ask the question. One of the mistakes that the church has made is it has not called out uh, those things that profess to be of Christianity, but does not follow that with the examples that we have from the word of God, people are saying, you can't tell me how to be a Christian, but the Bible does. And when I begin to line up with things that does not line up with the word of God, then I have to be, I have to look at the probability, examine myself and ask myself, have I become a heretic? Right. Have I become an apostate? Paul would call out names. Right. We don't say anything today. He called out Alexander. He called out Hermenius. He would call these individuals out. When Demas forsook him, he said he had lo having loved this present world. And this is what we're seeing with some leaders because of their love for the world or their fear of actually being um, ostracized or even persecuted. What they're doing is they are actually buying into or embracing social justice or something that they believe in in the first place. So when now, you think of biblical justice, where do you go there? Okay, biblical justice. Biblical justice awards or rewards, acquits, and it punishes individuals on the merits of the case, regardless of ethnicity or social status. Mm -hmm. Biblical justice is not theory. It doesn't look at, with the Lord, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free, all the one right. in Christ. He is not a respecter of persons. Amen. When you look at some of these things that are happening right now, for example, Ooh. people committing crimes and yet there are no consequences. These things fall in these areas here where mm. they, where it's you're looking at certain people, certain groups, certain ethnicities, and therefore the crime gets worse, 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 and your theory is not working but pride, and let me say, the author of it, Satan, will not take, will not release you. Neither will you, uh, neither will you cut yourself from him. Okay, but here's the thing: we have to understand. Theories are man-made. Theories are man-made. That's right. And no man-made theory has the answers for life. That's right. No man-made theories have the answer for godliness. But the Bible, which is the word of God, reveals what we need to know about the dangers of critical theories. It does. Right. For example, in Colossians 2, 8, it says, beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. Mm -hmm. And when you look at this word philosophy, as is used in Colossians 2, 8, it does speak of the acquisition of any knowledge, the searching out of any type of knowledge. But vain deceit, that word vain there from the Greek word kenos, it is speaking of things that are devoid of truth that mislead you and they're after the traditions of men and the rudiments of the world. And this is what we're seeing. Uh, you, if you want, if we want a society that is going to be 
fair and equal to people. It has to be a society that is based on the word of God. Now, if we want a perfect society, we have to endure in this life until the end. Because the society that they're creating is not a perfect society, but what it is doing, it, it is reversing, okay, it's reversing things, and in its reversal, it is going to be, it is even more devastating on others than what people claim to have been through. And the surprising thing to me, the thing that gets me the most is, um, and I know this is a free speaking show, so I want, the thing that gets me the most is this. I rarely see a person that is endeavoring to have a successful life, you know, business-wise, financial-wise, job-wise, whatever. I, I rarely see a person like that, and I'm speaking of ones I know. I rarely see them spending their off time making signs to spend their day going in front of some building. Mm. I see them using their mind and their resources to better themselves. My wife and I ran a business for 25 years successfully, and I never used the term they're holding me back because mm. of my ethnicity. I am not saying that there aren't some things in, in, in the world or even in our nation where you can have some, some ethnic discrimination, but I believe that it comes with all people regardless of your ethnicity even regardless of your financial status mm -hmm. as a matter of fact the bible does tell us in the book of revelation it tells us that before the lord receiving judgment there were there were there were those who were great there were those who were small there were those who were rich there were those who were poor poor does not necessarily make you a righteous man mm -hmm. rich does not necessarily make you a righteous man as a matter of fact neither one makes you a righteous man what makes you righteous is christ jesus that's right okay and so that's very important mm. so we need to beware we need to proceed with our mind we need to pay attention to and take notice of the things we hear and the things that we see and not allow anyone to take us captive through the channels of philosophy and useless delusions. And that's mm. the things that are happening. Where did these men cook these things up from? Where did they get these things from? Mm. Well, you know, when I think about the temptation, what was the first temptation? To I can make you like God. Okay, what's the next? I can make you like that rich guy next door. I can make you like this guy. The truth is it's all based on envy, right? They're, I want something that this guy has, and that's that can be covetousness. We don't want to covet what our neighbor rightfully has, right? Especially if he's reaped and sowed. So you start to look at some of these things that this is all a lot of envy. And if we meditate on envy, that's where we're going to get this raised fist, right? We're going to you know, come together and, and look for social justice, whereas in Christ... We already know that he has a kingdom that, like he says, that, that he's not a respecter of persons, that, you know, each person is judged based upon their own merits. You know, and that's something that Martin Luther King said. You know, he looked for a day when, you know, everybody in America was only judged by the content of their character. And so you have to remember, he was a pastor, right? Reverend Martin Luther King. And this is something that came from the fact that he knew that in Christ, we are all one. Right. And he also knew that it was about having character. Right. Mm -hmm. And that character was was actually important. 
This is throwing all that out and saying it doesn't matter about character. Mm -hmm. It just matters what color your skin is, you know. So this is where you start to see these fine lines of how they're brewing hate and, and sowing division. And the Bible talks about them that come in among us to sow discord, right? Again, divide and conquer. That's what this is all about. So that's how I see you. Know, you start to go through this dialogue and you can just see this is cunning, you know, a way to get people to identify. And any identity that we have, that's not a child of God is one that that Satan can be used to destroy us why you're a per, per, poor person you're a black person you're a white person you're whatever you know all these terms are to categorize you instead of who you are to Jesus Christ who are you to God right so this is perfect second James 1 through 26 my brothers show no partiality as you hold the faith in Lord Jesus Christ the Lord of glory for if a man wearing gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man you stand over there or sit down at my feet have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? Amen. Preach the sister. Perfect. <laughs> he is not respected of persons. That's right. Now, just looking at this, if you, I'm sure you've picked up by now. And when it comes to critical race theory, the only thing is that an R has been placed before the T. Mm -hmm. Critical theory, critical race theory, the same. Um, if you think about, okay, uh, what was it, Central, Latin America, mm -hmm. when you had the liberation theology. Right. Liberation theology, if you look at it, it really has the same basis as critical theory. Right. You have an, uh, just like, uh, 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 Marx and Engels, you have two classes of people, mm -hmm. and you you have you have the oppressed and the oppressor. Mm. What liberation theology does is it uh, it makes the uh, the oppress oppressors the evil ones, and the oppressed the ones that God came for. And really the only redemption for the oppressor is to collectively, there has to be a national salvation. Mm. And that national salvation comes by way of them giving up everything that they own. Right. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, and some of those, if you, uh, let's just look at this for just a minute. Luke 4. This is what I'm about to read to you. This is taken in a literal sense uh, which said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor that is literal uh, he is anointed to preach the gospel but when he uses the poor here the the people take it that what it is saying is this is simply for those who are for poor financially but those who are destitute of Christ are poor. That's those right. who are destitute Amen. of salvation are poor. Amen. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering the sight of the blind, Ooh. to set at liberty them that are bruised. Mm. Dr. God. This is used uh, in liberation mm. theology 
uh, for uh, the, the to say that Jesus, that it, because he says this, he came only for the poor. Mm. And so the poor who he came for and those who have, they are the oppressors and not looking at the fact that even a person can, a person can be rich and yet they are poor. Hmm. Now you're saying, okay, uh, Dr. Dozier, you're speaking from your opinion. Am I speaking from my opinion or am I speaking from the word of God? When the Lord gave his message to the church at Laodicea, I won't read all of that section, but he said this to them. He said, because thou say, I am rich and increase of goods and have need of nothing, nor of not that you are wretched and miserable and poor mm -hmm. and blind and naked. <laughs> and so you have to look at what he is speaking of in a literal or metaphorical sense and what he is speaking of uh, well, literal, a literal sense and a metaphorical sense. So this is what happens. Now, when you put black in front of it, black liberation mm. theology, now what happens is it's the blacks, okay, the, in America, you say, okay, the blacks are the oppressed, therefore, mm. the blacks are the people that God came for. Those who oppress them mm. are the whites, mm. and therefore, the whites are the evil ones, and what they have to do is retribution by giving up everything, redistribution, mm. when in truth, there are many wicked black people, there are many wicked Caucasian people. Amen. There are righteous blacks. There are righteous Caucasians. Amen. Uh, and so you, you end up having a deception from Satan. And I believe you have a fear of people saying certain things mm. uh, for how they, we just have to look at it like this. Mm -hmm. Eventually, and I'll use, I know this has been said before, but this is just how I think. If you're not going to stand for anything, then sit down and shut up. Yeah, Amen. you stand for nothing. Don't even don't even get up and say something appeasing because you're going to lead people into a ditch. Just right. don't say anything. In the day and time in which we live, how can you not see what's transpiring and not think that if you say God has called you to be a spokesperson for him, a pastor, whatever mm -hmm. it is, you may call yourself prophet, whatever, then if you believe that, then why aren't you proclaiming? This is just a little something, if I might, a little humor, but it was also sad. I saw this thing the other day on Facebook and allegedly, I'm going to say allegedly to just protect because people are in a Sioux mode, mm -hmm. but is out there. Allegedly, this guy was a prophet. Right. And he had this woman on the stage. There was a man on the stage and he's just going at it, going at it, going at it. And he says, you don't know it, but the man, the man is on the stage right now. She said, this is your husband. I said, this is your husband. He said, this is your husband. And he's going on saying, you go ahead, you receive, you receive, you receive. I'm just coming. And then he goes over to the man and he says some things to him. He says, now what I want you to do is you go and you grab her hand and you take her hand and you see what happens. The man on the stage is saying, uh, he said, I have a wife. And instead of repenting, the guy says something like, well, just wait for it. Oh, boy. So I'm looking at how you've got people who are flat out charlatans and people would prefer to listen to a charlatan because they can excite you with a certain voice, but mm. have little, little knowledge. Profess just like the wicked ones professing themselves to be wise. They are straight up fools. Mm. OK. And, and people who tell you these different things about um, mm. critical race theory. 
uh, and critical theories and, and, and taking things from people that people have worked to earn. Mm. If I'm not mistaken, I believe that's called covetousness. That's right. And I'm not supposed to covet my neighbor's vineyard. That's right. Uh, he he says for those who are wealthy, uh, their instructions given when Paul gives the pastorals to Timothy, he says those who are wealthy ought to distribute to others to do good. He, God has given you all things to richly enjoy, but to distribute and do good to others. That's right. And so God has a way of providing for his community. And if you were to take away all of the people who have the capacity to produce, to invent and to do this, then what are you going to have? Little or Nothing. Wait, so when those women are like, um, God told me that even though he's your husband, he's really my husband. That's not how that works. That went from the name it, claim it. You had the name it, claim it, period. You get these periods and it's where people come up with things that do not line up with the word of God. Well, that's very interesting because we've run out of time. (laughs) And if you think about what do we really need to know about critical race theory? What do we need to know about any theory? We need to know what our word of God really says about that. And I think that that's where you'll see we're going to have a lot of questions we're going to go through on our next episode. We're going to show you exactly biblically what's wrong with critical race theory. Critical race theory is not something that should be dividing the church. It is something that the church should be polarizing against a heresy that has come into the world that is just another version of communism. Well, I just thought I'd point this out, that if any of you have listened to the trailer, you'll recognize the Laodicean church where Jesus writes letter, Dear church, you suck. Signed, <laughs> Jesus. Well, that's we start from. to see. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yes. Those aren't his exact words. but She's coming out with her new translation, by the way. <laughs> right. It's going to be a lot shorter, by the <laughs> right. way, than the whole Bible. Right. And but. It doesn't, but it doesn't really mince words. <laughs> you know. So that's all the time we have for this one. And uh, the second one will be called Critical Race Theory, probably part two. But we've got to figure that one out yet as well. But that's what it's going to be. So you'll get to see. We'll show exactly <laughs> why this is a problem. I think it should be called Critical Race Theory. The race no one wins. That's right. That's definitely a, it's a losing battle. You can see that the only one that lit, wins is the Antichrist is really, really Satan. So, so yes. thanks, Doc, um, Thank you for so coming much. today. And, He's uh, not done yet. We're, well, we're going to do another one right now, but That's thanks right. for coming today. Thanks for listening, guys. And do you mind uh, signing us off with a word of prayer? Dr. God, please. Father, we thank you for gracing us with this time to share the things that you have so richly placed in our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that people have been edified by mm. the things that have been yes, said uh, for this last mm. approximate one hour. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that your church will come together and stand as one united in your name with one mind, one heart, one spirit, one goal, and that is to eventually see you as you are. We do thank you and we give you honor, glory, and praise for this day and this section and this time that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you all. And any uh, listeners you want to shout out to this week, baby? Um, Oh, I didn't really look, but I think there's like three in Portugal. Yeah, thank you. Hola. Thank you. Gracias. Wait a minute. Is that that Portuguese? No, it's not, but that's the closest I got. I can't speak Portuguese. We have some new listeners in Portugal, and we're very thankful. Yeah. And please keep sharing. Share, subscribe, review. Thank you. Supernaturaljunkies.com. We never point that out anymore. Yes. Supernaturaljunkies.com. One also new announce. We have the COVID Beast is still out. We can get your Audible version. We're going to be coming out with an entire series of all about how to bring up COVID in the pulpit. The first one is going to be released here next week, and it is called How 
or what is more evil than COVID. And it shows you that in the world today, people have been distracted. We've been blitzkrieged in every way. But this is going to show you how any Christian that's been standing on the fence, once we realize what's happening in the world, this is something that any church should be able to stand up to. Well, there's some fascinating new uh, things happening with COVID. Every time you look in the news, you'll see more information. Dr. Judy Mikovits, who we absolutely love, um, she goes as far as to say that even COVID is a racial attack. Yes. It attacks groups of people based on what some of their body deficiencies are yep. and attacks them more than others. And Dr. Lee Merritt has also shown that there are some racial profiling, that this seems to yeah. affect certain race groups more than others. And that in and of itself is a hint that a little bit of who's behind all of this. So, all right. But uh, God bless each yes. one of you. Yes. And Thank we'll you be- so much. We yeah. really appreciate you. Love you guys. Have a blessed week. Yeah. In case you're thinking, I sure would like to know more about those supernatural junkies and how I can get a copy of the COVID Beast book in audio, Kindle, or hard copy, well, I know how you can do it. Just check out our website, supernaturaljunkies.com. All the information is right there. If you have any questions about anything or you want to get a hold of us or tell us anything, you can always email us from that link as well, supernaturaljunkies.com. And we are so grateful to you guys. If you have time to write us a review, it would mean a lot to us. We'd read it on air and we really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Have a blessed week.